0: Welcome to the Bandroom Podcast. My name is Dylan Maddox.
1: And I'm Kate Nishimura.
0: And here we are in the month of May. Spring is here, Kate. Spring is here.
1: Spring is here. I have flowers coming up in my backyard. This is my first spring in the new house. And mm. it's really exciting because when we moved here... It was kind of like, oh, it's going to be a surprise, you know, next season. What, what pops <laughs> up plant up wise. Here? and the, yeah. 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 So it's been really fun <laughs> to, uh, no? to observe all of that. Yeah.
0: Maybe yeah. some surprise tulips neat. might, uh, might arise.
1: Not yet. Um, but some okay. other wildflowers and, and things like that. So we're going to plant a vegetable garden back there this year. And that's very exciting Ooh.
0: to me. I'm going yeah. to come, I'm going to come over and steal some stuff.
1: Go for it. I might, I might
0: have to drive. <laughs> i think we should just Maybe keep on, on your, this on your we should just trip. talk about uh plants for the whole podcast
1: i could talk about <laughs> plants for a really long time so careful what you wish for <laughs>
0: yeah yeah okay well, let's, let's not do that not as do
1: you that. can see listeners cannot see but like there are just plants surrounding my head in my yes. uh the backdrop of my video stuff speaking of backdrop of video <laughs> where the heck are you oh
0: <laughs> well, you know I try to switch it up. Basically every week or two, I'm in a different location and I've been noticing the past couple of weeks, I'll admit this to our listener, that, um, it, it was kind of echoey cause I moved back from the college into my home office and it, we don't have that much stuff in the, the home office. So it was kind of echoey. So I decided I opened the office uh, closet and I said, you know what? I think I could fit in there. <laughs> so, so, uh, I'm coming to you from my, uh, home office closet. I'm surrounded by things, uh, that are packed and ready to go to Arizona with me. Um, but yeah, it's getting a little, uh, I think I'm losing oxygen. So if you see me go down, please call my wife, Kate, if that would be great. uh, Okay. uh, Yeah. Great help. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you got to do what you got to do to provide the best quality for these podcasts, (laughs) including, yeah. yeah, Like my back is against the door of the closet. (laughs) There's no more space. but anyway enough well, about it
1: sounds great <laughs> yeah oh
0: thank you thank you i really hope it does otherwise otherwise uh, i almost died for no reason so <laughs> um but um, onto
1: a new spot next week
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and as much as i want to keep talking about my new my new studio uh we just had a really fantastic conversation with conductor educator administrator and fellow podcaster, uh, Keith Kelly, who hosts the Global Bandroom podcast that we had the great pleasure of being on a number of weeks ago. And, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, I was just, I, as I mentioned at the end, I just, I didn't really know much about Keith and just so moved by, by his story and, and to hear the importance of, you know, community band in Ireland and the community band to him was just so, so, so cool to hear.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I know. And he, just to hear him talk about how he's created opportunities um, for himself you know, throughout his life, but also in founding some ensembles, creating opportunities for other people in Ireland to play really um, high caliber concert music for band uh, in a setting that is pretty unique, it sounds mm-hmm. like, uh, compared to what, what normally goes on in terms of band and music education in Ireland. So it's, it was so interesting to hear him share those stories and, and what's
0: going on there. Yeah, there's a little bit of everything, and yeah, just to reiterate what Kate said, if if well, we talk about it a lot, you know how how interesting it is to see the different paths into you know any form of the music business, be it if you're going to be a conductor or if you're going to be an administrator or a, you know a recording engineer, just to hear how mm-hmm. people get there, and and Keith's story is just so interesting and full of so much just like very eclectic things. And, and to hear uh, about the podcast that he's doing was really cool as well. But before we get to that episode, listener, could you do us a favor and could you press pause right now and maybe just go check out Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this fine podcast and leave us a rating and a review. And why why should people do that, Kate?
2: Well,
1: because that really helps others to find our podcast and grow our community and if there was any episode that really emphasizes the importance and significance of community it's this conversation that we just had with keith kelly so please help us grow our community yes. rate the podcast subscribe share it with your friends your teachers your colleagues whoever it is it really helps second us cousin out.
0: yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, very beautiful. Very beautiful connection. Um, and uh, the other thing uh, we'll mention is that, as usual, we recorded a fantastic bonus episode. And uh, the other. This one was thing... good.
1: I, I liked yeah, this
0: one. <laughs> <it> was <fun. laughs> And the other interesting thing about Keith is that he spent uh, a number of years in the Irish Defense Forces Band, uh, which is you know a military band. So, so we spoke about <laughs> some experiences he had in that band in the bonus episode. And you can hear mm-hmm. that bonus episode if you go to patreon.com slash bandroompod. And for as little or as le- less than, actually, less than a latte's worth of investment, Alex Shapiro TM, um, you, (laughs) you can hear that bonus episode as well as having access to other bonus content, uh, such as, um, monthly zoom hangs, which we just had last Mm -hmm. evening, which was a great, it was a lot of fun. We know we talk, we catch up with our, our patron fam and, uh, we had, we actually, we talked about a lot of great books as well that we're all Mm -hmm. reading. Yeah, it was, it was a a great hang. So you can have access to that as well as some merchandise and, and other things, but yeah, check it out. Please and thanks. Mm -hmm. So, without further ado, here is our conversation with Keith Kelly. Well, here we are for another exciting bandroom podcast. One Unlike any other we've ever had before, because the bandrooms unite once again, but now in our bandroom, we are so very lucky today to welcome uh, conductor, educator, administrator, podcaster extraordinaire, coming to us all the way from Ireland, uh, our friend from the Global Bandroom Podcast, Keith Kelly. Welcome to the regular bandroom.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dylan. I was kind of thinking when you were talking about Band Rooms United, it's like the Power Rangers you know, <laughs> when they all come together and they form one big, uh, you know, incredible Power Ranger. Maybe maybe that's what yeah. they're saying. Yeah, yeah. So, so. I think we
0: need a couple more. We need an arm and a leg or something, you know. <laughs> we, can think
3: of it. we need to get Mark Connor yeah. and Darcy uh, yeah. on this. Yeah. We the ultimate Andrew. <laughs> yeah. After sectionals. <laughs> <Right. Anyway. laughs> well,
0: this is just so great. And uh, it was a real treat to be on, on your podcast uh, a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. And I've been looking forward to this uh, ever since. Because, you know, we've been uh, speaking to a lot of Canadians, some Americans, uh, an Australian at one point. But we know nothing about band in ireland and that's what we want to learn about today as well as you the man the mystery keith kelly of course um <laughs> so maybe uh we could do what we always do and could you tell us where why and, and how you started your musical journey
3: yeah uh, i was i was really young um starting i, I was probably uh, six years of my age when i first first held a clarinet um I mean, to your question about band in Ireland, like we we tend to start kids very young mm-hmm. here in Ireland. That's that's changing a little bit as uh, there's more pedagogical sort of approaches to music education. Um, but generally speaking, we're in competition with all of the other um activities that are right. available to kids after school so if you don't get them young you're never <laughs> going to get them whatsoever so um, when you weigh up those two pros mm-hmm. and cons you tend to, to take kids in a little bit younger uh, so i was about six now my my grandmother was a singer um she was a singer with what i suppose they were called show bands mm-hmm. here uh in the 60s um i'm not sure that it was the name that was given to them elsewhere <laughs> in the world but they were kind of like jazz bands okay. um uh, yeah, they, they, they weren't like marching show bands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they, they were jazz bands, uh, but they had the name show mm-hmm. bands here in Ireland. And she was, she was a singer with those. Um, and she, she toured the UK and, and Ireland and so on. And, um, so from a very early age, I knew I was going to be, uh, sort of involved in music in some capacity because none of her other, none of her children had, had been mm-hmm. into music whatsoever. My mother, her, 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 my uncle, none of them had been. So, uh, I, I showed some sort of ability to sing. Right. <laughs> and so I was hers from <laughs> that day on, you know. Uh, and that was that's actually where I started. I started uh, singing and singing with choirs mm. and um, sang, uh, still sing uh, a little bit too. Um, but uh, there was a, a very famous uh, Irish band, uh, a marching band close to where I grew up uh, on the north side of Dublin called the Artane Boys Band as it was then. It's, it's called the Artane Band mm. now. Um, And if you were to ask anyone in Ireland to name a marching band, they wouldn't say the army band or the police band, which is a professional band here. Um, they, they would say the Artane right. band. Um, and the reason for that is because we have a unique sporting culture here in Ireland um, where the biggest two sports in the country are actually Gaelic football and Irish hurling. Oh, wow. Uh, very, very unique sports that don't exist anywhere oh, wow. else uh, outside of the outside, uh, outside of Ireland. Really, uh, there's pockets of them elsewhere, but really, they're they're very uniquely Irish. Mm-hmm. And when I say that they're um, a big sport, they are as big to the culture in any co- town here in Ireland as uh, football is to Texas. Okay, um, <laughs> it is huge. Um, and the Artane band is the band that plays in the National Stadium every single week, plays the national anthem so um, oh. if you were on the north side of Dublin and you wanted to learn music that was yeah. where you went you went to the Arte and Boys Band if you were a girl unfortunately at the time that I was growing up that just wasn't an option mm-hmm. um, thankfully that changed in 2003 but um, yeah that, that's that's uh, so I was brought up there at six years of age very excited to become a trumpet player Dylan yes uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then my my granny in said thin. absolutely not she, she, oh. she hated the trumpet uh, and wanted me to be a clarinet tree. player so I <laughs> was so disappointed that day when they gave me a clarinet instead. Um, <laughs> I think she always had a crush on the, the clarinet sax player that was in her band for years. So I think that's, uh,
0: why, there you I go. Think
3: that's why I became a clarinet player. Well, there you go. You're the, um, you're
0: the best of both of us.
3: Yeah. <laughs> okay, a little bit of trumpet I wanted in to be a, a little trumpet. bit of
0: clarinet it's good it's good. right
3: yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what saxophone was that middle ground for me you know yeah. I, I had sure. the the academic side of the clarinet <laughs> and the show the showing off part of the, 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 the egotistical family. side of the trumpet good <laughs> right, <laughs> good. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, so yeah so that was that was my start the art our team our team boys band i was i was in that band until i was 19 years of age um you know, all the all the way through. We we don't have band in, in school here, right. um, in Ireland. So it's a, it's an after school activity. Um, and uh, I suppose later on in my my, my teens, when I got, when I earned my uniform and I was able to march in the uh, in, in in the national stadium, um, things were a little bit tougher at, at home for me at, at that point. And and so I would go from school uh, straight to to band. Uh, you know, I'd arrive at the band room at about. Five past four, Mm -hmm. school finished at four. I do my homework there. I'd stay there until band started probably at half five and I'd stay there after band. So I would probably be in the band room five hours a day, every day. And and band was every day. It was, it was, it was every day after school. I, I, I didn't really want to be at home at that point, Mm -hmm. um, and so probably from the age of around 13 to 19, I, I lived in the band room, mm-hmm. you know, um, not always practicing. <laughs> we we had a PlayStation in, in one of the rooms that Uh-oh, was uh, dangerous. That, 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 that was given to us, you know, but, you know, that was always what band was for me. It was it was. It, it, it was my safe place to use that word mm-hmm. uh it's not not a word i generally like using but but it really was my safe place um it, it's where i wanted to be it's where my friends were it's where my mentors were um and uh you know i've always loved music but but almost music almost came second for me for wh- why i loved band mm-hmm. you know band was very much a uh, community for me yeah. uh, and still is and and, and this you know what I advocate for most when I talk about banding and, and and community banding everywhere in the world is is the importance that it has to the individual and mm-hmm. the student and the instructor and the volunteer and everyone. It's it's that sense of of belonging um, that I think is most important, and and, and the music certainly um, is part of that too, of course. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, it and it's it's really great to hear. Well, maybe not great is the word, but to hear hear what the band room was to you. Because we we talk so much about like you really have no idea the back story to any of you know the students coming into your room or the musicians coming into your room, and the, the you know the place of refuge that it can be is is really powerful. So it's it's nice to hear that that that's what it was for you, uh, growing up.
3: You, you know, and it be, that became quite explicit then at at, at a certain point. Uh, you know, there was a real uh, tipping point in, in in my in my early years around sixteen years of age. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was a house fire in my family home oh, wow. oh, and, uh, we lost everything. Um, when I say everything, there's very few photographs of me as a child, uh, mm-hmm. for instance. Um, and, and one of the few things ironically, uh, that, that actually uh, survived the fire was my, my clarinet, actually. Oh. um, <laughs> uh, which was, you know, e- e- and even if I hadn't, I would have been given one by the band at that stage anyway, but right that's a side note um my, my family ended up moving uh, splitting up I had grown up with my grandparents my mother did live with us as well but mm-hmm. um it was really my grandparents yeah. that brought me up um and the family ended up moving everywhere I was 16 17 years of age I, I didn't want to move away from I just got my first job I was you know meeting my first girlfriends <laughs> uh, that sort of thing and, um I I ended up living um uh on my own uh, from about 16 years of age I'm uh, putting myself through secondary school like high school mm-hmm. um, at, at that point um and it was the band that uh, actually found funds for me to help pay rent um wow. help me to to buy some food um, didn't charge me for education music education mm-hmm. in any way yeah. um so it went from being a place that I uh, wanted to be after school every day to be being a place that I, I really had to be mm-hmm. and um and supported my, my 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 way of living um so to, to say that the band was a like, defining uh part of my life uh, is is I mean it's underestimating how important it was for me you know um I, these days I'm, I know any child that was that would be in that situation would be uh, looked after through services and so on. Mm-hmm. But at the time I, I had I fallen through the cracks and right. the band picked that up for me, you know. Um, and I know, you know, even from talking to different band directors uh, this year in different parts of the world, that might be a little bit more underdeveloped, um, mm-hmm. you know, Venezuela, Brazil, There's uh, bands fulfill that sort of role in, in many different parts of the world. And Ireland at the time Ireland's come a long way over the last 20 years I mean it's just a social revolution really mm-hmm. uh, in in Ireland over the last 20 years um but I kind of you know at the time I really did slip through those cracks and and, and the yeah. band had had um had been that that, that support for me right. so um during all that time, I was practicing a lot too. You know, <laughs> the music was important. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah wasn't yeah. just turning up to a to a band room to to help me with my rent. Uh, yeah. Music became incredibly uh, important as a as a as a focus um, for all of that right. time and, and energy. Um, yeah, and I, I ended up becoming a, a pretty decent clarinet player. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's so encouraging to to hear that although band wasn't, as you said, part of the. Uh, school system, the way that it is for so many of us here in North America, that there is that common thread of band being a, self, a safe place and um, being a community-oriented, community-focused kind of space for students and adults going through all sorts of things, and that 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 in, you know um, that happens for for those of us that have band at school, but also other sorts of uh, band communities as well. It's, it's great to hear that that was there for you.
3: Yeah. And I mean, my, my band was, was, uh, sort of unique by Irish standards in that we were all the same age, <laughs> you know, bands in Ireland generally are, are multi-generational um, mm-hmm. and any band that I've conducted here or taught has always been multi-generational. Uh, but, but that band was actually, um, kids of, of, of all the same age, like between mm-hmm. sort of, uh, 12 and, and, and 18 years of age for the, for the most part. Um, uh, and and we marched and we we did it every day and you know after school and so on. So it was actually as 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 bands in Ireland go, it was much more like that high school Brave. sort of sort of band, you know. Um, but but certainly um, I- Irish bands um, and and European bands that would have that multi generational sort of approach um, tend to be yeah uh, a, a place of refuge and mm-hmm. just an important uh, moment uh, part of the week for people. Um, and that's, you know, people have really missed that in the, in, yeah. in the, last, yeah. in the last year.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you were a member of the Irish Defence Forces Band, where you served as principal clarinetist of the Band of the Western Command. I hope we got that right. For over 10 years. <laughs> yes. Uh, so could you tell us a bit about the band uh, and maybe give us a bit of a day in the life?
3: yeah i mean actually it's funny that you that the name of the band has changed like three times since i've <laughs> left it actually <laughs> I mean, they've reorganized the irish army a number of different times right. even <laughs> since i've left uh so i think it's now the band of the uh second brigade oh, okay. uh, i think okay. is, the, is the the current name of it but yes band of the western command so uh, literally on the the west side of the the country um and yeah i went straight um i i spent <laughs> when i finished school uh i i i went straight into working in finance Oh, for a oh year. interesting. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I had got a part-time job working in a credit union here mm-hmm. um, and uh, was very proud of that. And uh, for the first time in my, my life, I was able to, you know, uh, pay a little bit of rent myself yeah. and, and, and so on. So um, I, I, st- I sort of thought, well, this is the career for me. I'm, I'm going to work in finance. And uh, I, I remember going for a marketing job that I had advocated for in the first place, that this position was needed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was 18 years of age at this point and I (laughs) didn't get the job, of course. (laughs) But I was outraged that I hadn't got the job. Uh, And uh, I I left and and I went and started working for a bank here in Ireland. And very quickly realized that it wasn't finance that I liked at all. (laughs) (laughs) It was just that job in the credit union that I had really liked. So um, while I was working at the bank, I got a call from the uh, National Symphony Orchestra uh, to uh, actually you like this, Kate. I, it was I got a, an offer to play my, a, a professional bass clarinet gig with the <gasps> wow. uh, with the RTE Symphony Orchestra, with our National cool. Symphony Orchestra. And I went into my boss uh, in the bank and said, hey, I, I need this afternoon off. I've got a last minute call up to DEP at, at at this gig uh, this evening and uh, I need to go to the rehearsal for it. And, you know, I expected him to understand the the importance of this. And, you know, I've been working towards this my whole life. And of course he didn't. Uh, and, <laughs> and I was outraged and I quit there on the spot. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> and, um yeah I, so i quit a, a fairly decently paid job for for one gig yeah. <laughs> and then had no other options um to me so apart from the army <laughs> hey
0: that's that's good though that's so, kind of like i need to learn french i'm gonna move to france that was yeah. <laughs>
3: just all in it really was yeah so so um So that was, that was how, I mean, the army band, it was always kind of calling me back anyway, that year of no music, um, Mm -hmm. I had really missed it. Uh, And the, the offer to play with the National Symphony Orchestra had made me realize that I was good enough to do this as a, as a professional uh, Mm -hmm. after all. And I had a few friends over that, that, that last year or so that had, had joined the army too. So, um, thankfully at the time the army band was just recruiting on a, on a drip feed basis. There, there was no sort of uh, units being recruited at at one go. Um, they would take you when, when, when you were available, um, to, to come in, which was, which was great at the time. Cause I, I probably only had one week of rent in my <laughs> bank account at the stage, um, and um, yeah, so the Irish Army Band, um, I, I was I was there for twelve years um, in total. Um, it really doesn't feel like that; it it feels like so long ago now. But it re- I'm really only gone from it about six years actually. Oh, yeah. uh, and I really thought at the time it was going to be that's where it was going to be for my for my whole career. Anyone like a lot of people that are in there that that is their career. They're 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 there for mm-hmm. for forty odd years, and and they, I I really thought that that was going to be my my career too. And I loved it. Um, mm-hmm. I got to play music every single day. Uh, with with good musicians all around me, and um, uh, I, I I got to to train and and go to a gym every day mm-hmm. and and go and play in interesting places around the country and internationally. Um, I was always a little frustrated by it though because I had an interest in conducting. Mm-hmm. And when I was in the army, I started conducting some community bands as well. Because again, we, you're in the army; it's a daytime job, and all these community bands are in the evening. So yeah. you'll find there's a lot of the professional musicians playing in orchestras and community bands. Ba- sorry, and military bands here are are also the the conductors of the okay. the community bands. Um, and so I was really enjoying that and really getting into um, uh, you know conducting and, and exploring repertoire and. I Because I had gone straight from school, essentially, into the army with that year of, of finance as well, uh, I, I hadn't got any uh, qualifications to my name and it meant that I was limited to where I could go. I could yeah. never actually progress. And, and the army at the time didn't offer that, that opportunity for me to study further. Mm-hmm. Um it does now, thankfully, and, and Colonel Armstrong, Colonel Mark Armstrong, that, that's the director of the Defence Forces School of Music now, has made sweeping changes. Uh, there's so much opportunity for a young person joining the Irish Defence Forces School of Music now. Yeah. Um, but just at the time, I had just missed out. I'd just come sort of the generation just before before that was a real opportunity. Um, so uh, sort of about five, six years ago, uh, a job came up as the general manager of the Artane Band. which is the band that I had grown up in and um, uh, through a long and lengthy process uh, and and I I still I I still look back at at the the interview process and how they actually gave me the opportunity to interview the chairperson at the time um, was hadn't hadn't uh, been there when I was a kid in the band, but mm-hmm. but felt that it was important to to give someone you know an alumni member a, yeah. a, at least a, a fair chance. And I had been through so many different application processes that they wouldn't even give me an opportunity to interview um, for these jobs because I hadn't got the qualification, yeah. even though you know through military experience and performing professionally for years and mm-hmm. and st- literally starting my own band uh, <laughs> and and putting in a, a system that was educating you know 50 or 60 kids uh, at a time mm-hmm. um I still wasn't getting that opportunity and so to look back now at that interview and to see Con Hogan the chairman at the time gave me the opportunity to interview and all, that's all I needed I yep. just needed the opportunity <laughs> to interview and once once I was able to talk to them they were able to see that I was passionate. I knew that what I was talking about. Yeah. And, um, uh, within a couple of months I was actually doing, uh, I was holding board meetings at the same table that I had done my homework on for years. <laughs> the exact same whole table. circle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that was, that was kind of an, I remember really thinking, uh, you know, holding my first board meeting uh, and sitting down at that table, just, you know, it was a pretty special moment. Yeah,
0: that's, I just, that's, that's great. And I, I yeah. relate so much to that. You know, just give me that one chance for that, for the interview. And I, I got it, guys. Just like, give me that one chance. Because, um, you know, my, my background as a conductor wasn't uh, like, I don't have any degrees in it yet. But um so I was just like, give me that. Come on, just, give, just let me in the front door. I got this. So, yeah, so that's, that's
1: yeah. really cool. I mean, same, right? I don't, I haven't studied composition and here I am doing this. Like, it's just, it's so important to hear from people who have somewhat unconventional pathways to get to where they are. It's so Mm -hmm. important for people to hear stories
3: like that. Well, well, certainly um, my path is definitely very unconventional, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, and, and I think something like conducting, it's so hard to teach it anyway. I'm not, I'm not yeah. trying yeah. to 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 diminish the importance of studying it formally. But so much of that rehearsal technique and that ability to work with people um, and all of the different types of, particularly for community banding as well, when you have all different types <laughs> of characters and motivations and egos, um, you need time to be able to... Um, learn that. So yeah. You can't really study that as as, as much. And uh, I, I just so much of the interview process around the world is, is, is an aversion to risk, I think, a lot of the time by the decision makers. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to see, you know, they want everything filtered before people even walk in the door to them. Um, and I would love to see more risk-taking. Con Hogan made a huge risk, um, uh, by, by hiring me. And I would hope that, that it paid off in, in the work that I did there over, over the time that I was with him. Um, and, uh, I'd like to see that, you know, happen a little bit more.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, and the other thing I want to talk about, about this band was, wasn't there a number of relatively, uh, well-known musicians to come out of this band?
3: Yeah, uh, so probably the most famous is the drummer from U two, um, Larry Mullen. <laughs> yeah, and actually, w- w- if you've ever noticed, um, uh, Larry Mullen when he's w- when U two are doing shows, Larry will often step away from the drum kit mm-hmm. and will go out with a, with a side drum yeah. and and on a traditional military strap as well. So he's playing traditional uh, traditional grip, um, and we'll do some drum solos, and uh, it's it's really cool to watch that because it's directly coming from his time there he he didn't do his whole term actually in the band he left because the the christian brothers made him get his hair cut (laughs) and the christian brothers ran the band at the time um and they made him get his hair cut and larry was too cool for that so he left the band so he never actually graduated from the band at at 16 years of age like the, the rest of his generation yeah but um yeah it's it's been a it's been a great uh band for for many irish musicians that have mm-hmm. gone gone on to work professionally and um and just for people that have have gone on professionally to to, to work and um, uh, have great careers and has it has a really good alumni association mm-hmm. because of that like many of the top universities uh, yeah. you know in the us and i'm sure canada as well they can really um claim some very some very successful people you know yeah, yeah.
0: No, it's, it's really cool to hear about, you know, just a, a different way, as we've, we've already mentioned. And, uh, well, maybe just kind of expanding on that a little bit, um, on your podcast, you put us on the spot, well, you didn't put us on the spot, you warned us, but, um, <laughs> but you asked us what band in Canada looked like, um, so it's only fair that we ask you what band in Ireland <laughs> is like. So we, I mean, we've talked a lot about the, the importance of community banding, uh, not only as a source of community, but as a source of education um but yeah what else what else you got going on
3: <laughs> well i mean yeah that, I mean, that's probably the important the important um thing about community band here is that it, it is um responsible for the vast majority of instrumental instruction uh particularly outside of the cities so the cities will have schools of music where individual tuition may be available mm-hmm. and they'll normally study something through um a graded system that, that the Associated Boards of the Royal School of Music, the ABRSM, yeah. um, they offer a grade one to eight system, and a lot of people study through that. But in rural Ireland and smaller town Ireland, the town band is normally sort of where people are getting, getting their instruction. Now, in some towns, it may be a, a community orchestra, um, you know, or a different type of ensemble. Mm-hmm. But generally, the town band tends to be uh, pretty popular here because... Ireland's a pretty wet country, <laughs> you know. So to have a, a, an ensemble that that performs locally a, a lot, a, a marching band a, or at least a band that can play outdoors is a little bit more popular. Mm-hmm. Um, orchestra has become a bit more popular over 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 recent years, particularly as money has come into the country. Orchestra has become a bit more popular, um, but the town mm-hmm. bands have have been here a long time. Um, most of our bands, most of our our, our big bands here in Ireland were, were sort of they were formed around the late 1800s so the same as like the UK big brass bands a lot of the big college bands in America uh, whatever was in the water internationally <laughs> and in the late 1800s was definitely here as well and actually I mean one of our greatest exports from Ireland is, is Patrick Sarswell Gilmore mm-hmm. um, who you know sues a called him the, the father of the american wind band mm-hmm. um he was 19 he studied um about 10 minutes down the road oh, from wow. where he <laughs> live here and he cool. lived he lived 10 minutes the other side of the year um and he it was It wasn't until 19 years of age that he actually moved to america
2: um okay. so
3: it wasn't you know he brought his trade with him he had been trained here by british military band uh, musicians uh, he learned cornet here and uh, he, he, he emigrated because of the, the, the Irish famine here, mm-hmm. along with 1.5 other million Irish people uh, at the time. Um, but he, he's one of the great success stories. But, you know, he um, was part of kind of founding a wind band movement in the States that was being replicated here and in other parts of of, of the world at the same time. So many of our bands date from or from around that period. And fun, funnily enough, a lot of them are called, if you look back at the early names of these bands, like my own band here, the Ballinasloe Town Band, the original name for that was the Ballinasloe Temperance Band. Um, you know, the, the idea was to try and get the Irish off the demon alcohol to, <laughs> you know, put them into a band. And I think quite, you know, fairly quickly, they realized that was it was having the opposite effect. <laughs> 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 just bring it with you to rehearsal. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's funny. Um, so so that was kind of the foundation of a lot of the bands, and 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 they 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 just continued ever ever since because they were a good vehicle for. Uh, music education uh, mm-hmm. and 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 people would go on to have careers and uh, and and perform music then professionally uh, too um, and, and as i said before uh, that multi-generational aspect of of band here in ireland is incredibly important because so many of the activities that kids are involved in these days are um you know they're they're only meeting uh, people from their own demographic a lot of the time uh, people people their own age mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the time and so for a uh, for a 13 year old to be able to sit in next to a, a 50, 60 year old that has life experience might be a great player, but, you know, they can share something together and and there's it breaks down some sort of generational barrier that can otherwise yeah. exist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the time, we, uh, young people are only really interacting with their own family members. Yeah. And so for them to be able to interact with with people in the community that are that, that little bit older than them is, is fantastic. Now, it creates... Um, you know, challenges that we need to overcome for community band and child, uh, you know, child protection and, and police vetting and all of that yeah. is a huge part of the yeah. administration of any community band here. Um, but once that's done, um, it's a very, very positive and, and uh, uh, fulfilling experience for both sides of that generational divide Mm -hmm. Um, you know we we've got a a band here in in limerick in ireland uh, called the boher boy uh, brass and reed band and pa whelan the president of that band is in his 90s and has been playing in the band since he was eight (laughs) and you know he has seen so many kids (laughs) come through that band over the years Um, I just think that's fantastic. And that's really unique to that kind of community band. Now, Ireland isn't unique. There's lots of other countries around the world that kind of have that similar model. Mm -hmm. Um, But but it's one of the things I really do love about, about our bands here.
0: I remember once I I conduct, I conduct, just a, I was filling in for someone for uh the East York Community Band, maybe someone's listening from that band, so I better be careful. But I remember there was the drummer in that band. He was a similar thing. He was he's been in that band since he was like eight, and he was in his eighties. So I I think it would be great it's if he awesome. played maybe a different instrument, but. <laughs> Be 80 year old drummer like a
1: different <laughs> instrument per decade to like learn yeah a bunch i don't of
3: know. just so much power in that <laughs> instrument. what's really funny was <laughs> what's, what's really funny about um my band now so the band the slow town band is uh, a band that uh sort of uh ceased to be uh, in in the 80s or mm-hmm. maybe early 90s um and uh, they recently got re-established the band probably around five years ago so you've got this generation that were in the band years ago um, and so like from you know 60 years of age up nobody in their 50s 40s 30s or 20s and then a load of kids coming into the band because <laughs> when they when they asked me to get involved i had just finished up with the artem band at that stage mm-hmm. Yeah, my own two kids were were, were living locally and I, I was looking for a band for them to get involved in too. Um, and so we recruited a, you know, around 68 year olds at the time. Whoa. So there was that gap of 8 to 80, but we had nobody in between, <laughs> right. <than most> <laughs> which is which is really funny Um now they 've been kept as separate bands for the time being i mean they 've both probably have the same level of instruction to be honest mm-hmm. um, you know the, the The level of instruction that would have been given years ago um wasn't, wasn't, wasn't great. Um, and, and, uh, and, and, and whatever it was has probably been forgotten too. <laughs> so we've worked to do on the senior end of, of, of things. Um, but they're incredibly passionate about getting their town band back up and running mm-hmm. and, um, and then to have all these kids coming in as well. So very, very proud of, of that band to have my own two kids in the band as well as, as a lot of fun. Yeah. That's yeah awesome.
0: I, I saw a picture yeah. of, of a, a little one with a trumpet. <laughs> right.
3: Okay. So, so actually, you know what? That's actually a really good lead-in to talk about something else in Irish uh, in Irish banding. We have this program called Music Generation here in Ireland, and I suppose on the outset of Music Generation being established here, uh, you two actually were part of the establishment of it. Right. Um, they they noticed that there was very little instrumental music education happening in Ireland. A lot of the music education that was happening was was being done through um, uh, the schools, and it was academic-based. Mm-hmm. So M- U2 decided that they would uh, uh, donate a significant amount of money if the government would match it. Mm-hmm. And so that was they founded a, an organization called Music Generation. Um, music Generation is a, a nationwide program to develop music programs around the country in the schools. But really that's depending on what the um the region needs so for here in in, in Galway county around uh, Ballinasloe I'm I'm part of a, a team that's developing a brass and reed um, network of schools it's a two year program and then they'll join a local community group after that which in our case will most likely be Ballinasloe town Band, but it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be that yeah. um, but in other parts of the country maybe that's more Irish traditional music because that's where um, the the um, the tradition is, um, Mm. or maybe it's pipe band music or maybe it's ukulele, whatever the, whatever the, whatever it is. So that's, that's music generation. But what happened to my daughter is that, (laughs) um, we're just on the border. So it wasn't me that was involved in, in, in this program happening in in my local school. So, um, I hear music generations coming into the school the day before it happens. And then the day after she's a beautiful flute player, and she comes home with a trumpet. <laughs> <laughs> I had absolutely no Aww. idea that, that, that it was going to happen. Uh, thankfully, I knew the um, the trumpet teacher. So I, I gave him a call and, and told him not to take her too seriously as a student.
0: <laughs> I love how the lead up to this, it was like talking about the trumpet like it was a disease. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was that felt that felt I mean, good, Keith.
3: You know she's got to protect that embouchure, you know. <laughs>
0: oh, you're right. Yeah, you don't want to get I'm <laughs> all...
3: working in that flute embouchure.
0: <laughs> put that cookie cutter on your lips. You don't want that. You're right. You're right.
3: <laughs> What's so funny is because I've been doing so much work with with drum corps over the last oh, yeah. couple of years that when I put the picture up, the drum corps community just found it incredibly funny. <laughs> yeah. and my daughter was after being given a trumpet.
0: A <laughs> couple of weeks, double C's. I'm I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it.
3: You know, when we, when we, we do a similar sort of instrument testing uh, system as you guys would do when mm-hmm. kids are first being put on to do instruments. And so we did that over in balance Low and, and I knew what my two kids were going to play. I'd been assessing them for a long time, but they <laughs> wanted to take part in the assessment, like all the rest of the kids. And uh, she's so small, and she's, she's really cute, and she gets a powerful sound out of a trombone. <laughs> she, she's made for the trombone, apart from her arm length. Right. Um, but yeah, so it was going to be trombone or flute, and uh, she went for the flute. Wow, wow.
1: Yeah, so in 2014, you, among others, uh, founded the Irish Symphonic Wind Orchestra. So could you tell us about this ensemble and why you started it?
3: Yeah, so Iswell, um was a complete accident, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was only ever meant to be a, a once-off meeting of musicians. So um, when I was with the Clara Town Band, so I was, I was with the army at the time, and, and I was teaching in a, in a local town called Clara, and... We held an annual workshop, which at the time was actually quite unique. I, I know workshops where you invite visiting conductors mm-hmm. in are quite common elsewhere, but um, uh, not so common with, with community bands here in Ireland. They tend to be a little bit more protective and, and rural. Right. Um, but we, we, we were doing this annual workshop and we uh, were due to do a piece by Richard Sassato, Um And actually, I forget what the, what which piece it was, but I know... Prior to the workshop, I had given the piece a, a bit of a test run mm-hmm. and, and realized this was was beyond the group at the <laughs> time. And so I took out another piece that I was due to do later on in the year. Um, and it was Paul Lavender's arrangement of the fifth movement of Lord of the Rings, um, mm-hmm. Johan de Maes. Yeah. And we had the most amazing weekend. All of the kids, all of the adult beginners, everybody absolutely loved the piece. And... I was pretty unaware of real repertoire at the time. Um, You know, the army band um, has a very uh, similar to military bands all over the world. They have a function, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I, I I can play every Kenneth Alfred march off by heart <laughs> still. I'm I'm sure uh, Irish marches, uh, anthems. Uh, you know, I I once forgot to bring my music to a um, uh, to a particular sporting event and was able to play the Dutch national anthem off by heart. So that's how much I was playing national yeah. anthems <laughs> at the time. Um, and you know, so you don't really get to play the type of repertoire that you want to as a as a as a as a, as a you know. aspiring musician sometimes. Um, And community bands for the most part aren't aren't capable of of, uh, fielding that sort of instrumentation. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of the time they just don't have the ability. Uh, Some of the bands around the country now are particularly excellent and and, and probably could, uh, but but don't um, some of the times. Mm -hmm. So um, I remember talking to all the staff that had been on the workshop and the visiting conductor Liam Daly at the time saying, wouldn't it be amazing to play this whole symphony? But like I'm never going to get a chance the army's never going to program <laughs> right. for a concert. Um, you know, none of these bands are going to do it. You'd, you'd almost have to sort of build a band just for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me. And, and three or four days went past. I was listening to the symphony on Spotify. I think it was at the time. And, um, I called up a friend of mine, Barbara Dowling, who was my woodwind instructor in, um, in Clara I said do you think that we we could get a group of people together to do this and she said come over for a cup of coffee and we'll start making some calls and we had hoped to get maybe 40 50 people and we had a band of about 120 people in the next 24 hours everybody felt the same way There was like oh my god yeah we would love to play this um there's a An organization um, here called the Irish Youth Wind Ensemble. Mm -hmm. Um, It's uh, between 18 years of age and 25 years of age. And they probably are one of the only uh, ensembles in the country that would program that sort of music for um, educational purposes. Uh, And they only meet maybe once a year. So a lot of the people that have been through the Irish Youth Wind Ensemble, they leave at 25, but they have nothing else to play at that high end Mm -hmm. for, for, you know, for years. So... We contacted a lot of people that we'd played with over the years and um, we had an ensemble and we said, right, we're going to meet up. We're going to do a once off performance of this piece. (laughs) Have a great weekend. I reached out by, um, uh, you know, chancing my arm to uh, to to Johan de May. And what I found was and one of the biggest lessons of my life was if you reach out to people, sometimes they are incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And. If you've ever met Johan, you know that he is amazing at, um, he's kind of like a superstar in, in at Midwest, you know, yeah. yes. he dresses like one, he walks around the place. <laughs> he's like a he's a giant. He's oh, he's
1: got stare. like, like uh, iridescent teal
3: jackets and stuff. <laughs> like And, and, and um, just, yeah, and, and his hairstyle and he looks like uh, an 80s pop star, like yeah. he's, <laughs> You know, he owns a room when he walks into it too and he's tall and he's yeah. Dutch and he's, you know, um, but, you know, his, the first impression that you might have of him kind of um, belies the fact that he's one of the most supportive people that I've ever come across. He reaches out regularly to ask how the wind orchestra is doing, how, asking how I'm doing and banding in Ireland is doing. Um, He was incredibly supportive from the very beginning. He's actually the uh, one of the patrons of the the Irish Symphonic Wind Orchestra himself and and Philip Spark are are the two patrons of the wind orchestra. So we're not doing too bad (laughs) with with people like that. Um, And yeah, uh, having his support for that very first project just lent a certain weight to what we were doing. Um, it was the first. It was the first time that it, that the um, symphony had been played as a whole in Ireland, and there's not too many wind symphony, wind band symphonies that had been performed before that. So, we decided to put a name on the on the or- on the wind orchestra for for the for the weekend, and we called it the Irish Symphonic Wind Orchestra, and it was just such an impactful weekend for everyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: All of these players play maybe, you know, uh, first stand and and in their own local community bands, but don't get to play at a a high level with other high level musicians. A lot of the time they're they're playing arrangements of wind band music, grade two, grade three, Mm -hmm. and they love it. They're they're absolutely passionate about it. But being able to play at that higher end and playing original wind band repertoire was was different, you know, not to say that bands don't do original wind wind band repertoire, but it's definitely not the function of any other bands in in the country. Once we did that first weekend, we knew that we had to do it again Um, and do it again with a focus of we're establishing something on a semi-permanent basis Mm -hmm. here. And the only real um, uh, thing that ties all of our projects together is that it focuses on exclusively original wind band repertoire. Um, we, We play very, very few arrangements and if they are... Performed, it's it's for a a very specific purpose um, yeah. at that. So um, we've tried to be a proponent of, of 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 new repertoire in Ireland, with the with the idea being that um, we we only get to really program one program a year, uh, we do one project a year. Right. But the idea is that all of the musicians that are part of the wind orchestra are the senior players, or in many cases, the directors of their own local community bands, and so. If they're exploring new music, if they meet, you know, if they get introduced to one new composer, you know, maybe they'll explore that a little bit more for their own band's repertoire. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, at least it will open up a, a, a new um, avenue for them for for exploration. Um, so, unfortunately, uh, we we haven't been able to meet in in twenty twenty, but we 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 have met. Well, actually, I'm 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 wrong about that. Actually, we did meet in January of twenty twenty. Oh, right before. <laughs> uh, but but not in 2021. Unfortunately, yeah. we won't be able to meet until January of 2022. Uh, but we've met uh, two or three times every every year since that. We've we've had Johan de Me over to conduct mm-hmm. the wind orchestra since. Awesome. We've had Philip Spark over. Um, we've brought the wind orchestra to the WASB Convention in Utrecht in 2017. So for for a wind band that's so new, um, it's it's really um, uh, done a lot of interesting things since since it was founded.
0: What you were saying about, you know, the function of ensembles is something I didn't think about whenever I started conducting community groups. And I thought they all just did original wind band rep. And then I I, I was quickly told not. So, um, but just to think of the importance of, of a group such as the uh, Irish Symphonic Wind Orchestra and, and creating... Um, Music at a, a really high caliber, not only for you guys to play, which is I think really important, but also for audiences to hear, for for young people to hear the possibilities. It's just such a wonderful thing that, that you started, and um, and for anyone who wants to know what they sound like, there's a wonderful um, there's a the recording from Wozby actually done by Mark Records, who is an early supporter mm. of this podcast. Um, that is that you can hear if you have access to Naxos or anything like that. You could hear them.
3: Yeah, that was that was a that was the band at at one of its um, at, at at its height really mm-hmm. as well in in 2017. Um, I think we were very conscious actually going to Osby that we were representing our country right. and and, and <laughs> on, on all of our community bands. You know, I think there's there's around 180 community bands uh in in the country active wow. mm-hmm. um brass concerts all of them march a little bit they, but but very few of them consider themselves marching bands with that as its function um so you know we've got a quite a little active community of bands here and they're all very very proud and um have produced uh, some great musicians i mean my own band here band the slow town band as i say you know is is, is very rural in some of its ways but w- you know we've had Emer noon come from our band Emer noon was the first uh woman to conduct at the oscars okay. uh, uh, last year and um you know composes music for like world of warcraft and <laughs> um, you know some of the big blizzard yeah. games yeah. and uh, you know so like she's she's come from our band so we you know our community bands have done some incredible work yeah. over the years yeah. Yeah. so we were very conscious that the wind orchestra was representing um ireland uh, at that at that convention and and uh, I just thought the band played amazingly well so if you do get a chance to, to listen to the program um uh, I, I, I highly advise it I th- think it's uh I'm very proud of it yeah I'm gonna figure
0: out a way to link it I've not tried to link a Naxos thing before but I'll see if I can do it um but you know one of the um one of the main reasons that well that, that we got to know you was from your podcast and and we're not the only band room in town anymore and, and in 2020 <laughs> uh you started the global band room podcast and under that umbrella you have a couple of kind of different other shows that that you uh, are doing so we're wondering what inspired the podcast and I maybe I'll put an s on the end of it podcasts cuz you have numerous ones <laughs>
3: um well once I was, when i was finished with the art and band ma- managing there um so It was one of the it's one of the few full time positions as a sort of a a director in in, in this country. Um, But even though it's a full time position, it still doesn't change the fact that it's an after school activity. So I was starting starting work at around two o'clock each day and finishing at like 10 Mm -hmm. Um, and I have young kids. So and that wasn't going to get better anytime soon. So, um, you know. I knew that my time was kind of limited uh, working there. It was my dream job. Absolutely loved it. So proud to be able to manage the band that I um, had meant so much to me as a child. Um, but but it, my time was limited as the kids were getting older, as they were moving out of that infant stage and really realizing that I wasn't there. I I, I had to find something different and. We were very lucky in Arte in that we had a band room right next to the uh, airport <laughs> and it had a, you know, beautiful band room, really well, uh, really well equipped, unlike many band rooms around the country. Um, and uh, because of, of its proximity to the airport, we would have bands visit us uh, mm. as exchanges either on the way into the country or on the way out. So. Um, when I was looking for an opportunity to uh, um, move on from the Artein band, uh, working for a tour operator uh, was the uh, next logical step because mm-hmm. I had been doing so much work and I had attended Midwest on behalf of an Irish tour operator mm-hmm. here a number of times. And um, so I went to work for Celtic Rising Tours as their um, music um, uh, consultant. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was working with a lot of bands that were due to come in for St. Patrick's Day, to your question. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, I, in 2020 and uh you know the the impact hit everywhere around the world around the same time but because of of its proximity to um to uh saint patrick's day um we literally had instruments arriving into warehouses ahead of the bands that were meant to come um, for saint patrick's day so um which was devastating. You know, you have these kids that had like, you know, one, one high school in particular, Bay High School, they had been through the the, the hurricane in Florida uh, they had got through that. They had managed to rebuild their band room. They had still saved and they were coming to Ireland. We had presentations ready for them here just to celebrate their, this huge achievement that they actually got here to Ireland. And then within a week, it was taken away yeah. from them. So there was just, it was incredibly sad. But well, we still thought it was quite temporary, mm-hmm. even though it was after affecting our, our business uh, and, and all of these bands um, so much in, in, in that few weeks. We still thought it was temporary. So I said that I like talking. <laughs> so I'll use uh, my Facebook page, Bands of Ireland, which is celebrates local community bands around the country. And I'll interview some of these band directors around Ireland and, and the U.S., asking them, you know, just sort of... Um, sharing some ideas and what we could do maybe to um, get through the next few weeks Mm -hmm. (laughs) as we thought at the time. (laughs) And that kept on going and going and going. And and we were two, three months into it. And I realized I just had all this material. I might as well um, post it as a podcast. And actually, if anyone (laughs) listens to the podcast now, (laughs) I I may take down those first 10 episodes (laughs) because it is literally me recording on a phone. Um, no, you got to keep them. Everything was done on I'm Skype on a mobile phone, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they may go into an archive yeah, somewhere on the website. <laughs> yeah. yeah, keep it somewhere. <laughs> so, so that was it. There was no real intention to have anything, um, anything permanent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was really just a um, a way to share some of the um, difficulties that, that we were all having, um, and. We had one guest, John Carpenter, who had been a colleague of mine on the in in the Irish Defense Forces, Mm -hmm. and he suggested after one of the interviews that we would ask musicians around the country to record themselves playing Ireland's Call and piece it together uh, as a a piece of music. I mean, we're all familiar with these virtual band uh, projects now, but this really was one of the first ones. I mean, we got out of the gate really early on this. Um, It was the Ireland's Call project and... um, we invited musicians around the country. We, we also invited people around the world if they would like to participate mm-hmm. in it. And we didn't think that we'd, we'd, we'd get the sort of response that we did, but we had over a thousand musicians wow. submit from it. And we, we hit every continent as well. <laughs> um, and I think that launched in the beginning of April. Like we we had that out and okay. pu- published um, at the beginning of April last year, so it was it was really early in, in all of this, and because of that, there was a Facebook community had kind of developed um, around that. It, at the beginning, it was just called the Ireland's Call Virtual Band Project, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and 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 then we w- when the project was over, people wanted to find more projects like it. And uh, right just as we were finishing the Ireland's Call project, uh, Julie Giroux reached out to me to see whether I would um, help get some Irish musicians involved in the Lone Star Wind Orchestra project that she was involved in, okay. which was um, she was after writing a piece called River Shannon mm. for their virtual project. And so all of a sudden I found that I was finding musicians and organizations that wanted to get involved in virtual projects, getting involved in this Facebook group. Um, so really the group uh, and all the virtual activities that were happening in that and the podcast kind of developed uh, at the same time in parallel to each other. Um, but eventually the, the, the podcast sort of became a celebration of these and talking to people that mm-hmm. were taking part in virtual projects and organizing them too. So I don't know what I'll do when it when we're, <laughs> when we're back to normal. <laughs> Talk about real band maybe.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really cool to hear the or well just every basically every answer you've given there's been some kind of um part of it that has involved community and to yeah. hear the, the beginnings mm. of the podcast and how it you know was very community centered as well is it's really nice to hear about you know it's it's growing from a good a good place you know um and i, but, I just and it
3: really was at the time dylan like the, the the amount of people that would um share their thoughts because we we didn't know how to work like it's amazing how much we've grown as a as a global community mm-hmm. in in the last year um but at the time i remember people not knowing what landscape or portrait meant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know um mm-hmm. and we'd, we'd have people uh, doing little videos uh, of themselves um you know and posting it on on, on the group mm-hmm. asking for feedback we help each you know, other out what can i play better or what can i do or how can i change this to 30 frames per second <laughs> right um, there was so much sharing. It really doesn't happen as much anymore. Even even if there is a virtual project happening in that Facebook group, there isn't as much sharing of knowledge as there was in those early days mm-hmm. of that 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 group. Um, there was so much community, so much goodwill about the whole project, um, uh, and 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 we just I knew that we couldn't let it go. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the the group once it, once once the the project was finished and published uh, so just I renamed it the global band room because that's what it felt like it felt like a band room that I had grown up in but just with people all over all over the world and we, we really did like we we have uh, every single uh, continent uh, involved in it uh, from Lyle McDermott down in Tasmania and uh, and <laughs> you know Christopher Ferlander in Rwanda wow. and uh, you know uh, just you know all over the world uh, Wilson Tan in mm-hmm. Malaysia um you know, um, and then my my you know, my best buddy Gail Brechting, and, and all yeah. of her um, band friends in West Michigan as well. Um, just so nice to see all of those faces on the on the screen playing together. Mm-hmm. And we, I know we kind of. I, I've heard it. You know, I've heard quite a number of people talking. You know, in, in in recent months that you know they're over the whole virtual thing. And I get it. I really do. I mean, I I have Zoom fatigue too, but. I hope we do look back on this in in a few years and realize these incredible projects that were run over the last year to keep music going. Yeah. Um, I, I hope I really actually hope that we don't see the end of it. Um, maybe not as much as we <laughs> yeah. used to. I want to see real band too, <laughs> but I would love to think that you know a, a school in, um, in 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 the US can can partner with a school in Germany and mm-hmm. they can do a joint Christmas concert. You know, I. I we have the technology and we know how to do this now Um, so you know I hope that's one of the the legacies that that's come from the last year
1: I think it will be I think that now that people have a handle on the technology side of things understanding like you said how to how to film yourself how to you know have one device for your click track and one device to record yourself and all of those skills are only going to enhance what we continue to do as a, as a music community, a global music community going forward, even in a, you know, return to normal life, whatever that will look like. Um, I imagine that there's still going to be a, a a huge amount of cross continental collaboration and things like that. Now that these kinds of connections have been established and people are excited about the potential for that. I, I don't think that that will stop even when, uh, things go back to, you know, uh, normal or being able to play in person again and things like that. I think it'll be a nice hybrid of, of both, or at least I like to hope that these kinds of things will, <laughs> will continue as
3: well. <laughs> I, I think there'll be a leveling out period, right? Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll probably move away from it for a little while. Yep. Cause we just, we need that space yep. from the, from the screen. <laughs> Um, and I do too, uh, for that matter, I can't wait to see, see the kids and band and slow again mm-hmm. soon. Yeah. Um, but, but I think we might hopefully, uh, at least, uh, retain some of that, uh, ability to be able to, 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 connect a bit more. And, and, you know, I think I, I joke about what the global band room is going to do once we're all back to our <laughs> real bands, but I think that's part of what, what my, um, goal is with the, with the podcasts and, and community moving forward is to, um, you know, Promote some of these opportunities that will that will still exist, and and maybe uh, you know uh, look for reasons to 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 maybe create some of these opportunities for people. I, I, I'm I'm you know it's funny to say. I mean I haven't produced one of these videos either the audio or video of any of these videos. I've just facilitated <laughs> yeah. all of it. Yeah, I don't want to touch that. Um, stuff. So, <laughs> no, I'm I'm really bad at it. <laughs> I'm barely man- managing to, um, to to edit my podcast which for anyone that's listened probably knows that <laughs> oh, you learn as you um, go but yeah that's that's definitely um that's definitely part of my my long-term term goal of it now is to is to be part of that leveling out process mm-hmm. now for us to to find ways that we can uh, continue to, to to have this technology as part of our a, a real life band mm-hmm. now you know yeah
1: well and maybe some of these global connections will take place in person as well right like now that that people have been collaborating in a virtual setting once it's possible to travel again and gather in person again who knows maybe there will be still these kinds of global um community efforts happening but everybody visits ireland you know or everybody visits oh, a different country and yeah wouldn't that be cool <laughs> i think i think that would be fun <laughs>
3: Well, you know what? You, you its the best way to lay up the uh, my my new change, <laughs> my, my my new career change. So over the last year, um, uh, I was working with Celtic and Tours here in Ireland. But one of the things that I really love doing is talking to band directors uh, and and music educators directly. And when you work with a company that that brings in all of these groups, you're what's called a DMC, a, a destination management company. So you're mainly working with the uh, US operators. So mm-hmm. I, I was working with World Strides and music travel consultants and lots of these big US operators that um, have, have great relationships with directors. But I really miss being able to speak to, you know, the, the directors a lot of the time, too. So I, I've recently started working with Kaleidoscope Adventures yeah. based out of Florida. Um, And I get to do it from here in Ireland, which is great. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, It's amazing. Um, Basically, um, uh, it means that I get to talk to directors and music music educators all the time about either digitally connecting through Global Band Room and through the groups and through the various different virtual projects that we organize. And maybe then extending that into, as you say, Kate, a real-life exchange. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're we're creating mentorships, if we're doing virtual projects, that maybe it might be a long-term goal to actually sit down together and all play together at the same time too. So it's kind of a natural extension of the Global Band Room. And um, uh, they've been, uh, I I believe, they've been very sort of forward-thinking in that um, we can make travel happen and make real life connections happen through content like this, through Mm -hmm. podcasts Mm and, 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 and through live streams. Um, and so I don't necessarily need to be in Florida to create those connections. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I've been doing that for the last year anyway. Um, so I mean, for me and my podcast, um, what it means is that I, um, can continue to grow and develop, um, the 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 platform, I mean the global bandroom podcast in itself is a is a fairly straightforward uh, podcast in that it's a it's an interview style podcast, Um, and I try to go I try to create a sort of a fifty percent US and fifty percent elsewhere in the world um, ratio. I'm not sure that I'm meeting that all the time (laughs) just because of the sheer amount of bands in the US Uh, and because of language barriers too, which I'm hopefully um, going to be addressing in in some. Uh, in some upcoming episodes too, um, but also what I'm um, excited to be able to do now because of this support is produce more of the documentary style podcasts that oh, I've cool. been doing. Okay. So um, last year I did a documentary uh, called "Finding Drumcore," which was about sort of me coming to that activity uh, late as a as a thirty three-year-old at the time, a uh, clarinet player in Ireland, not having a clue about what <laughs> drum corps was. And um, DCI loved it. And they actually made it their main podcast for, for the year, oh, um, which was which was amazing. And um, so it's brought a lot of um, drum corps fans to, to the Global Band Room mm-hmm. podcast. But I really loved the long form aspect of it. It really yeah. felt like I was creating um, and, and t- you know, creating a narrative and telling a story, um, and I want to do more of that moving forward then as well. They're just, it, it's a huge amount of work. There's a lot of editing, a lot of interviews for every, you know, the interviews might last two to three hours and you might get 20 minutes that's usable at <laughs> right. you know, the time. And, you know, you're trying to create an emotional sort of story and arc to the, to each episode too. So you're using music to do that. And um, I've really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now the support of, of Kale- Kaleidoscope Adventures means that I can actually continue to make more of that you know I, I have certain composers that i want to make documentaries about i have different unique parts of the world that have very unique banding mm-hmm. uh, like the fanfare and zoogs in germany that are like drum corps from the the 1800s you know <laughs> so it's so cool uh, just lots of unique subcultures yeah. and banding everywhere in the world that i'd love to shed, shed a light on that deserve more than a single interview with 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 with, with, with a director mm-hmm. um that they need a a a, a full story so that's that's one of my hopes um with 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 this new partnership that's really
1: exciting yeah we look forward to seeing what comes of that as we go forward into the future Uh, so you you mentioned composers and uh, we wanted to ask about this because although many of us here in north america are familiar with some irish folk songs and that kind of material that's come out of ireland admittedly we aren't super familiar with many living Irish composers writing for band right now and composer here. I would love to know <laughs> if you have any um, recommendations of, of composers that we should know about. And for conductors, teachers listening as well, are there are there awesome Irish composers that maybe we could uh, we could look into to program on some of our concerts as well?
3: Yeah, it's it's funny, you know, um, as, a, as a country, we, we don't um, do a great job of Um, celebrating our own composers a lot of the time a lot of the the music that Irish community bands are playing and you know even some of our professional bands are playing is is music by by U.S. composers it's music that's widely available on, on on J.W. Pepper and you know there's you know there's nothing wrong with that community bands play the music that they enjoy and that their members enjoy playing a lot of the time but you know um a lot of the time, it's it's maybe um, you know a lack of time or a lack of knowing where to to sort of uh, look. Um, our fellow Irish composers aren't aren't sort of widely sort of available on Google. Right. Mm-hmm. If you go <laughs> if you Google new 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 band pieces, um, the Irish composers don't come up. Mm-hmm. So so the Irish directors aren't generally programming programming them a, a huge amount. Um, but there are um, there are Irish composers that that. Um, you absolutely should be uh, aware of um uh, and and uh, a few that are maybe dead first <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh you know living i will get to but yeah. uh, aj potter is one probably my favorite um irish composer of band music um he passed away in the 1980s right. um uh, archibald potter um his his music is relatively well known in in certain parts of the world Um, the one that he's probably most known for is finnegan's wake which is a a musical um picture of of james joyce's finnegan's wakes poem um and it's 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 a beautiful irish melody that gets uh slightly crazier and more (laughs) insane throughout (laughs) the, the the process and it's 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 the depiction of an Irish wake and uh, and, and and people being uh, mourning at the beginning of the wake and then gradually being fueled by alcohol, turning it into a, a an Irish a proper Irish wake <laughs> uh, that that becomes more of a party as as the night goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's played quite regularly around the world. Uh, Finnegan's Wake, but he but he had some amazing music that doesn't get uh, performed. Um, uh, Blackthorn Wattle uh, is a beautiful beautiful piece that he wrote um and if if you're looking for a recording of that. The Irish uh, Army Band uh, per, um, recorded an album about two years ago, full of uh, amazing Irish uh, music. Oh, Not all Irish composers; uh, some of it inspired by Irish music, right. um, but but really beautiful music that the Irish Defence Forces uh, record. Probably around three years ago now. Uh, and Blackthorn Wattle is, is is on that. I really highly recommend that. recommend that. Another composer is Thomas Kelly, T. C. Kelly uh, from Cork. He wrote a beautiful piece called wexford rhapsody um one of the things that irish people are, are most known for are our laments you know we fought many many battles uh, <laughs> with our with our compatriots in 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 a, in britain over the years and we lost all of them um but you know when we'd lose we'd write a sad song about <laughs> right. it so we're full of we're a country full of laments a lot of the time and wexford rhapsody um is 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 a beautiful um um, piece uh, made up of um, of a number Irish uh, of Irish laments from that part of the country, uh, and I've conducted it a number of times uh, over over in the states. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's really beautiful and I'm widely available uh, as well. Mm. Uh, but for for living composers, probably the, the the most successful Irish composer we've had in, in recent years is Fergal Fergal Carroll. Mm. Um, Fergal um, is someone that uh, Tim rainish um, commissioned okay. a number of times and has recorded his music uh, most probably best known for Blackwater and um, and Winter Dances. Really, really uh, great pieces. And they don't sound particularly Irish. This is the <laughs> thing that you'll probably find about a lot of living Irish composers is they they don't sound like the Irish music that, that is being composed by US composers that are normally taking Irish mm-hmm. uh, folk music and so on and Irish traditional music and, and making a band arrangement of that. Irish composers tend to... Uh, move away from that a little bit, you know. Maybe, maybe almost consciously yeah. Yeah. move away from, from 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 writing that type of music. Uh, but Fergal's music's great, and it's really accessible, and it's fun. Um, and and uh, Fergal was my my commanding officer actually oh. for for a number of years, so I, I know Fergal really well, and such a such a great guy. And um, you know, uh, definitely uh, his music is 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 well worth looking at. And you'll find that on the Mackinac's website, which is Tim Rainish. Uh, Tim Rainish is a, is part of the part of that, that, that publishing label. Yeah. Um, and then, um, his, someone not to get, not to get confused with Fergal Carroll, there's Fergus O'Carroll. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> Fergus uh, was, was a board member for Wasby for many years. Um, uh, he was part of the organized, he was the driving force behind Wasby being held in Ireland in 2007, okay. the Wasby convention. Uh, but yes, so there's Fergal Carroll. And then there's <laughs> Fergus O'Carroll, and both are composers too. So some wow. of Fergus's music is 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 amazing, um, and we performed one of his pieces at uh, at Wasby in uh, in in 2017 as well. So, uh, and then lastly, Vincent Kennedy. For for mm. anyone that doesn't know Vincent, um, I, I interviewed Vincent uh, recently enough on the Repertoire Happy Hour podcast, and we talked a b- little bit about commissioning in Ireland and that bands don't really see it as an achievable goal and, and maybe why they should mm-hmm. uh, and, and how they can support local Irish um, com- composers a little bit more we're a long way behind um uh, some some parts of the world in in, in terms of uh, our, 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 our Irish composers not that they don't exist but they're not writing for band a lot of the time yeah. that's the that's yeah. the thing uh, our, our, there's some great Irish composers out there um but they're not being commissioned for band they're not finding reasons to write for band mm. a lot of the time because the bands aren't playing their music right. you know yeah. Yeah. Um, we have so, that problem here um, in
1: Canada too. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right? Yeah, I know we're definitely not. Yeah. Um, we're definitely not uh, not not unique with with, with that. Um, there are a couple of other composers that you might want to look up. Um, uh, you know, they're not necessarily band composers, but for anyone that's just interested in getting an Irish contemporary sound, mm-hmm. Raymond Dean, um, Sean O'Rita, um was. Uh, b- wrote beautiful Irish tra- traditional music in an orchestrated um, uh, fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, really beautiful. Bill Whelan, I know, he, you know, he's because he's so well known for river dance. Um, it's, it's almost, you know, you almost think that everything's going to sound <laughs> like, like river dance. Yeah. Um, but he is just such a master of turning traditional Irish music into an or- orchestrated score with energy and vibrancy. Um so you know, uh, Bill Bill Whelan, if you haven't heard many much of his music outside of Riverdance, it's very much mm-hmm. worth looking into that. Awesome. Oh. Good to know. Those are some and great a great friend of Johan de May too. Oh small <laughs> world. Small world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No,
0: it it's really uh it's interesting to think about and I I need to admit, uh I'm rather ashamed of myself as someone who's, you know, more than 50% Irish heritage that I, you know, I'm very, I know very little (laughs) when it comes to uh, composers from Ireland. So thank you for all those. And, and the other thing that I wanted to mention was, uh, that conversation you had on the repertoire happy hour. Uh, That was, and I, as I mentioned on your podcast, that was kind of the first time I was like, Oh yeah, I guess (laughs) their folk music does get kind of stolen by others or to think about,
3: you know, though, Dylan, I, I mean, Irish bands have very happily played all of that music, mm-hmm. though. I mean, it's, probably, it's important to say I, I don't necessarily feel that we can um, look at the use of Irish folklore and Irish folk music um, as maybe... It doesn't really border on cultural appropriation, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think. I, I think I would love to see more Irish composers being programmed, right. absolutely, yeah. Um, because I think they have their own unique sound, but I would fully encourage people to explore mm-hmm. Irish traditional music and to, to write their band music based on it because we enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I, I, when when Johann de May came to Ireland, we played at Kitty O'Shea's, mm-hmm. um, written by a Dutch man living in New York. You know, <laughs> um, yeah. some of the some of the best Irish pieces. I love Michael Sweeney's uh, setting of uh, Sally Gardens. Mm-hmm. And Sally Gardens is a song that is uh, very poignant to anyone that's served in the Irish Mm -hmm. army, because it's the song that we play at all of the um, uh, Irish uh, military funerals. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my favorite setting of it is Michael Sweeney's uh, setting of it. So, um, you know, Irish Irish people are very proud of their uh, diaspora. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, we 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 lost so many people in the Irish famine. Um, we had 8 million people living in this country in 1850. We now have 4 million people. It's one of the only countries in the Western world that has lost so many people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First of all, to starvation in the 1800s, but then to emigration for another century yeah. after that. So we're very proud of that diaspora. And yeah. We're proud that people want to play Irish music um, and that they want to use that as a setting. My favorite piece, the piece that I would pick to perform as the last piece ever, <laughs> is Percy Granger's Irish tune. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely adore the piece of music. It means so much to me. My f- I remember a performance of it with the Irish Army Band and my first ever Masked Bands concert where I could feel the music and the energy in the room. I'd never felt anything like it. So, you know, um, to anyone out there, you know, use that Irish music. <laughs> we're, we're always proud to play it when it comes back to us. I'm waiting to
0: hear Kate's first Irish-inspired piece. Maybe and there's way. lots of
3: nature here as yeah. well, Kate. Okay. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe something inspired by like the Cliffs of Moher. Yeah. Or something, you know? Well, I think I don't know. I'll have to come should,
1: visit someday and be inspired. Yeah, we should by do a,
0: a band room on the road. Yeah. Well, that's more yes. than a road. That's a plane. But band room well, we on could a plane. It. We could do it. <laughs> maybe a boat. Uh, anyway, but um, it we've uh, we've sadly come to our last question of of the interview, and I just want to take this time to let y'all know that the three of us are going off once again, or at least Kate and I once again, off into <laughs> bonus episode land, and you can have access to that bonus episode if you check out patreon.com slash bandroompod, where you can have access to whatever we're going to record, <laughs> as well as uh, a growing back catalog of other bonus content, including episodes and, and other things as well. Um, but Keith Kelly... If you could give one piece of advice to up and coming musicians, what would it be?
3: Yeah, I was thinking about this one a lot. You know, I, I haven't had the same uh, background as, as as so many uh, of the music educators that I get to interact with on a, on a daily and mm-hmm. weekly basis. Um, and so my my advice is, is never going to be about how to conduct or how to teach or any of those things. Um, but because I've worn so many different hats, I don't think there's a type of hat in, 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 in the band world that I haven't worn <laughs> at some point. Um, I know how easy it is to kind of forget the joy of what we do, um, yeah. and particularly over the last year, because we haven't had that opportunity to actually be part of that band that, that band setting. Um, it's just to try and maybe every now and then, um, you know, uh, even 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 monthly. Just remind yourself uh, by listening to music, maybe performing music. It's amazing how many times I forget, and I should know better at this stage in my career. How much listening to music helps me. <laughs> yeah, you know, every time, I, or, or, or you know, I, I'm part of a good rehearsal, and and I just leave in a in a in a great in a great mood. Um, but yet I forget the next time that I'm in that bad mood that that music really helps me. <laughs> <laughs> we become so. Um, uh obsessed with the administration or the growth of our band or you know the competitions maybe sometimes that actually trying to find that joy in what we do you know becomes um something that that, that we, we we don't remind ourselves of enough so whatever it is whether it's it's playing music whether it's listening to music whether it's taking part in your local community band um i, I think that's it's incredibly important to remind yourself of why we do this yeah. yeah,
1: that's a really good reminder. We've talked about that with, with some other guests on this podcast as well. And Dylan and I have spoken about it at great length, just reminding ourselves why we do what we do, what, what's your why, right. And, um, you know, when you make music, uh, your career or just when it's your daily activity, it's sometimes hard to remember why you got into it in the first place. And, um, you know, the, the source of, safety or refuge or, or just fun and friendship and things like that, that music has brought so many of us early on in our experiences. Um, sometimes that can get lost along the way as things become stressful and and all of that. So it's, um, it's always a welcome reminder around here, I think.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, so much of, uh, so much of the day, so much of the process of the day of being a musician is not making music, exactly. particularly at that, you yeah. know, director level or mm-hmm. and I'm sure composer level as well. Okay? So much of the process is uh, emails yeah. <laughs> and accounts <laughs> and, you know, whatever else, is social media. Um, and it's so easy and I've gone through points in my life where I have completely forgotten the why. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to think that maybe in the last year I've reconnected that with that why, but, you know, I'm producing podcasts now and I'm I'm talking to musicians and, you know, uh, I need to remind myself why I'm talking to those musicians, you know, mm-hmm. and I need to remind myself of that music that we're, that we're all so passionate about and, and that community of, of musicians that we're also passionate about. So, um, I I've certainly been very guilty of this in the past. So my, my advice comes from a place of, of, uh, of knowing I don't do this enough for myself.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I mentioned at at the beginning of this interview, how, how I've been looking forward to this. And it was, it was mostly because I've been making the joke. I made the joke on your podcast as well as this one, but the man, the mystery, Keith Kelly. And I really didn't (laughs) know much about you, my friend. And I must say, I would, I'm just still so moved to hear, hear your story and to hear your path and, uh, to think about all of the. The re- all the good that you're putting out into the world through the podcast and and the people that you're bringing together, uh, if you would have asked me, and maybe Kate, you feel the same way. If you would ask me last year if I would ever be talking to someone from Ireland right now I, <laughs> I probably would have said no but to think about the community that's coming together um because of what you're doing and it's it's really fantastic so thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to share your story with us here in in this band room and and for all the work <laughs> that you're doing and I, I can't wait until the time that we can we can all meet in person so thanks so much Keith for for taking the time to talk to us today
3: it's been great dylan and kate and um yeah it's been great to to be on the other side of her for a chance, yeah, sure. know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. i think it's probably probably my first time um <laughs> so uh, hopefully hopefully we will see each other later on in the year um I, and i just booked my my, my hotel room in, at midwest so yes, we've all got rooms <laughs> this is good very excited <laughs>
0: Thanks so much for spending time with us in the Bandroom. If you want to learn more about anything that we discussed in today's episode, check out the links found on our website, bandroompod.com.
1: If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe to the Bandroom Podcast. Give us a rating and review, and tell all your friends about how much you enjoyed it.
0: If you really love the show, maybe you should consider donating to our Patreon page where you can support BRP and get some extra incentives in return. Or you can buy some sweet BRP merch, helping to offset podcast hosting costs and investments into new equipment so that we can continue to bring you great content and great people.
1: Follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube to keep up with what's on the go. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, leave us a comment on our website, bandroompod.com, and your comment might be featured in a future episode of BRP.
0: Stay safe and be well, bandies. Thanks again for stopping by the band.